Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Some things across the earth. Um, it's so great when you're here and you um, connect in with uh, people that are listening to God. You know, the Bible says that God doesn't do anything lest He first reveals it through His servants, the prophets. I love listening to prophets because, you know, when you got a gift and you listen to other people, it stirs that gift within you. How many of you know that? You, those of you who are teachers, love to sit on a teacher, so forth, so on. But it's so awesome to hear what God is doing. I, I know since the day that I was born again, you know, I've longed for God to continue to move. You know, Pastor Phil said before, you know, we walked in revival. We've, we've lived in revival. We know what it feels like. We know what it does. We know what it's capable of. And, you know, we, we, we walked in that pretty strongly for about two and a half years. You know, we would start a service at um, like 9.30 in the morning and then three o'clock in the afternoon, God would put us down. And we, we'd like go, okay, everybody, you better go home. And no one would want to go. We wouldn't have any breaks. The Spirit of God would just come in and sweep us to some place that I can't describe to you, but you will experience it for yourself if you hang around long enough. Because God said to us after two and a half years, he said to us, I'm going to pull back a little. I'm going to pull, and he did that right across the earth. He did that in the Brownsville Revival. He did that everywhere. He just pulled back. And he said to us personally, I'm going to pull back a little, but I just want you to get things ready. I want you to build a building. I want you to get a team. We had no team. We had, no, we had nothing. Hundreds of people getting saved. No chance following up. Drug addicts, prostitutes, everything coming through the doors. People being delivered everywhere. We didn't know what to do. It was just a big mess. And God said, just get it all in order and, you know, put everything in place, and he said, and then I'm going to come again. But when I come again, you're going to be running until Jesus comes home, until Jesus comes back. You're going to be running until then. So I'm waiting for that day, and I'm looking, and I watch, and I hear what the prophets are saying across the earth, and I'm just going, come on, God, come on, come on. And I know if it doesn't happen for us, that it's going to happen to our spiritual children. And and I think it's so important that mothers and fathers in the natural and in the spirit set up the next generation to do what God is calling them to do, to take it to greater levels, to go to greater depths in God, to just fly with this thing. And, um, just last week, you know, I've been, I've been listening to what's going on, and um, I, I clocked on to this guy who is, I don't know how old he is, he's under 30. Um, his name's Nathan Morris. And he is a full-blown, what I would call, real deal, pure, gorgeous, Holy Spirit-filled revivalist. And he's under 30. And he's preaching right across the earth. He was a PK's kid. Um, he was backslidden. And he was into drugs, living with his girlfriend, doing the whole deal. And God just smashed him with the fire of God in his living room at home and totally turned his world upside down. Um, 
you know, he hadn't been to church since he was 16. Mum and dad are pastors, so what? They can do that thing, but I'm doing my own thing. And God just smashed him, totally living a different life. God delivered him of drugs, got him out of his lifestyle, and set his feet upon a rock. And then not long after that, he gets called, you know, to, to go to Africa to a, to a big conference. There's 10,000 people there. This kid's never preached. He doesn't know what to do. He's never been to Bible college. And he's shaking in his boots. He says, God, I don't know what to do. And God just says to him, this isn't your idea. This is my idea. You just get up and open your mouth and I will fill it. And this kid gets up there. I don't know how old he was. You know, he's about 20, 20 at the time. 22, I don't know. And God, he stands up in front of 10,000 people in Africa and just starts, the words just start coming out. And the next minute, I saw the videos of it. There's just people all over the ground um, being delivered, being set free. And he had 6,000 souls come to the Lord in that night. Since then, he has seen 100,000 people come to the Lord. And he doesn't even know what he's doing. <laughs> I love it. I just love that. And uh, I, I, just, I just think God's going to do such an incredible thing in this generation. And it's not just confined to, you know, young people. You know, I think God's going to use this generationally. I've said that since the beginning. I think this is going to be a generational move of God because you cannot have stuff like that go on unless there's fathers and mothers. They're going to walk that kid right through and walk him, you know, and just say, go this way, don't go that way, you know. Like, we've, we've spent 18 years learning what we uh, know now in the ministry, and we can turn around to some kid or some young person, and we can say to them, go this way, don't go that. That'll cost you five years if you do that, because it cost us five years when we went that way. And don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so this is God. So I believe, you know, um, an incredible man of God went to be with the Lord on Valentine's Day, Bob Jones. He's probably one of the key prophets um, of this generation. Um, and, you know, he was like, he was, he was prophesying to um, uh, parliament and prime ministers, presidents. Um, he was prophesying, you know, weather patterns. Like, this guy's freaky. Freaky. And uh, he would tell a town, as, you know, go into a city and say, there's going to come a hurricane here at this time, on this day, you need to evacuate and, you know, and just save people's lives. Like, he's just incredible. And um, God visited him a couple of years ago and God showed him a one billion soul harvest. And when he said that, I thought, oh, sure. You know, you, know, you kind of, you know, I didn't see it, so I didn't have the faith for it. But, um, you know, I, that was like two years ago. So people have prophetically grabbed that across the nations of the earth and started to pray it in. And I'm trying to pray it in, but I don't even believe it could happen. And I'm just, you know, believing for that. And then I didn't realize this, but along with that visitation of God, God said to him that you will, you will live, you will be alive, and you will not go to be with me. Um, you will not leave this earth until you see the harvesting of the harvesters. And the Lord said, I'm sending specific angels to the earth that are gonna harvest the harvesters. And you're not gonna go to be with me until you see the harvesting of the harvesters. Well, he was caught home on Valentine's Day. 
And so that means that the harvesting of the harvesters, I believe, has begun across the earth. And when I saw this guy, I just went, woo! You know, I just went, yes, I know this guy is a harvester. And you're probably sitting there right now and you're a harvester and you don't even know it. But I want that to be revealed to you today. You might be totally not living the way you should be living. You might just be like living a normal life. But I believe that God wants to arise in you tonight, a call of God. I believe that he wants to ignite fire in your life tonight that's going to set you apart, set you ablaze. And um, I said to the, some of the young people this morning, actually I was speaking to Ollie Kay and Doug and a couple of the guys, I said, guys, look at me. If I have to stick you over my shoulder and carry you, you are going to be a harvester of harvest. You're going to be one that harvests the harvest field of the last days, one billion souls. If I have to stick you over my shoulder and carry you, if I have to stand you up, if I have to lift your hands and cause you to worship, you know, I'm not just talking about me. When I say I, I mean we, you know, the parents. So um, you can turn the, the spotties up a little bit because I'm finding it hard to see. I'm a woman. <laughs> so I heard this guy preach this a message and I just want you to bring a, a, my version of this message to you tonight because it's just, I felt like every word was like, that's what God's saying to me, that's what God's saying to me, that's what God's saying to me and I want to release it to you tonight. So let's just look at 1 Kings 21, 1 to 7. And I've got 20 minutes, so I'm going to do the best I can. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreel. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden since it is so close to my palace. In exchange, I will give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth the Jezreelite had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay down on his bed sulking and refused to eat. And his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard. And if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, is this, is, how, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat, cheer up, I'll get the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. You know, in biblical times, um, God promised the children of Israel land, and he would give them a land as their inheritance, amen? Who knows that? You know, I've given you a land as your inheritance. This is your promised land. You need to go into the promised land. I'm giving it to you. And it was tradition that when a man or a people or, a, you know, a family were given an inheritance, they would go to the borders of that inheritance and they would drive stakes into the ground. How many know, heard of that um, saying? It says, I'm staking a claim. 
And this, would, this spoke to everyone then when they drove these stakes into the borders. This spoke to everyone around, uh, all the enemies of Israel, that you cannot come past these borders. This is my inheritance. You cannot take it from me. And you cannot come past these borders that are being put in place because this is my inheritance. Amen? This is the place that God has given me as my possession. Do you know in your life right now, if you're a born-again Christian tonight in my life, the blood of Jesus is the landmark that is over our lives. Amen? The blood of Jesus is the very thing that marks out our inheritance. And it says to the devil, it says to the devil, this far and no further. Amen? I am washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and therefore I have boundaries around my life. There have been, there have been stakes driven into the ground that, that have given me inheritance that is mine. Amen? In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when they drove that stake in the ground with Jesus Christ, when they took the cross of Jesus Christ, and they, they, they got the stake and they drove that cross into the ground. A claim was made for the sins of the whole world. A claim was made for the sins of the whole world. Jesus paid a price for the full inheritance. Amen. For full inheritance, not partial, not some. But full inheritance. Jesus paid the price with his blood. Amen? He paid the price for your inheritance, for my inheritance. He paid the price. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. The devil thought he had defeated him. The devil was walking around that cross thinking I have defeated him, but he did not know the plan of God. He didn't know that God was staking a claim, that God was driving a stake into the ground to claim our inheritance, to give us borders around our life that the enemy has no right into. In Jesus' name, amen? Yeah. The cross of Christ is the landmark of your life. It's the landmark of my life. And it says, I am his inheritance. You are the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. When you are born again, Christ placed a landmark in your life. He drove the stake of salvation into your life, amen, and he claimed you as his very own, hallelujah, we're living in an age right now, I mean, I, I talk to people across the earth and ministers across the earth, they said they've never, they've never seen an age like we live in now, the wave of evil that's coming across the earth, you know, we, I know my favorite scripture, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. A thick darkness is over the peoples of the earth, but the Lord will rise on you and his glory shall be seen in you. Amen? Yes, there's a darkness that's covering the earth, but that's a sign to us. That's a sign to us. If we would realize our inheritance, 
that it's time to arise. Amen? It's time to arise. But we're living in an age where, like this story, the spirit of this age wants to come in and wants to negotiate with us about our land, about our inheritance, about our boundary lines. Amen? He wants to negotiate the boundary lines with us. You know, one Satanist that came into the church and got saved, he said this, this is a statement that he made. The church is powerless because they do not live in their inheritance. The church is powerless because they do not live in their inheritance. Boundaries are being moved. As we go into these last days, the church is being asked, the church is being beguiled by the spirit of this age to move the ancient boundary lines and become appealing, to become politically correct, to become like the world. It's gone quiet. But you know what happens when boundaries get moved? There's no protection. The boundary lines were there for protection. The blood of Jesus marked out around your life is the very thing that says to the enemy, thus far and no further. Amen? The blood of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. No, this isn't talking about the very few elect special ones of us that are called to the ministry. This is talking about every person that has accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, the salvation of Jesus Christ into their lives. He's saying this is your inheritance. You are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We've been called, we've been set apart. You know, my heart breaks, my heart breaks. Oh, 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 I cry out to God that the church would awake and know their inheritance. That, that beautiful Christians that are called of God, that have, been, that's, that have been set apart, that have been stuffed around by the spirit of this age, would awaken and stake their claim and drive some stakes into the ground and fight back and stand up in the fullness of God. The first stake that This is the first stake that the enemy is trying to get the church and people to back down on. Salvation. Don't preach on the blood of Jesus. It's offensive. No, you don't have to have repentance. You can just say a nice prayer and you don't even have to say sorry. You can just live the way you want to live. You can just carry on with life the way you want to carry on with life. 
but just come and say a nice little prayer and everything's going to be rosy. It's going to be all wonderful. No, 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 keep your sin. It's fine. We don't want to offend you. Keep your sin. And the enemy say, just move it, just back a bit. You know, you can still have salvation, but just move it back a bit. And then we find the church outside the boundaries. We move the ancient boundary lines. And we find ourselves out here. And people are sick and people are being attacked. And, you know, we're getting people saved and they're going back into the world straight away. Why? Because we move the boundary line. You know, the truth. That stake has to be driven into the ground. Salvation comes no other way than through the Son of God. Through one name, one blood, one way to Jesus Christ. It's not like whatever you want, whatever you feel, humanism, you know, whatever way gets you to heaven, that's cool with me, baby. No way. There's one way. There's one way to Jesus. There's one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. And that boundary line must not be moved. And we have to say to people, salvation cost him everything. Everything. How dare you? Take that gift and rub it in his face and come and live a life that you feel like you can live and still think you're going to go to heaven. My Bible says that idolaters, pornography, people that, that practice immorality, witchcraft, drunkenness, they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. They will not. It's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy to try and get you to move the boundary lines. You need to stake a claim. Amen? You need to stake a claim. The second one, no, not that. Okay. The second one, not that one either. Hang on, hang on. I knew I should have wore thongs tonight. The second one. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You know, you can do church without the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be so weird and freaky. You don't need to speak in tongues. You don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't need the fire of God. The book of Acts had that, but you don't need it. You know, well, we can just speak in tongues in the back room. Or we can just lay hands on the sick in our private time. Holes aren't big enough, Frank. <laughs> I'm staking a claim. We will not move the Holy Spirit. I am not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was a little girl, I lived with an alcoholic father. I loved him to pieces. He was an awesome guy. And he gave his heart to the Lord later in his life and gave up alcohol. And I love him to pieces and led him to the Lord myself. But when I was a little girl and he was drinking, you know, you were embarrassed to bring people home. You're embarrassed because it's like, 
what will he do? You know, like, slide. Mm, what if he starts yelling? What if he goes into one of his tannies? And, um, you know, my friends, I'll be so embarrassed. I was embarrassed about my father's house. But when we planted a church, I declared to the heavenlies that I will never be embarrassed about my father's house or my father's ways. And if the Holy Spirit wants to do anything, the Holy Spirit can do it. Amen? In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, just move it a little bit. You know, just, just a little bit. I mean, you don't have to be so radical, do you? I mean, just, you're so, Julie, you're so serious. You're so passionate. Just tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Just move it just a bit. Just put the Holy Spirit in the back room. Just put him in the back room. You can let him out sometimes. Just stick him in the back room. (laughs) Boundary lines. We're staking a claim in this church. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know about you and your personal life, but we're staking a claim. Okay, come on. The Word of God. The Word of God. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't speak of himself, but he said, It is written. The Bible says, This is our sword. This is what we fight with. This is the weapons of our warfare. No wonder the enemy wants us to tone it down, be politically correct. This guy said, this young evangelist, revivalist, crazy guy, he said he was watching uh, a television show with a popular host where they interviewed lots of famous people. And she was interviewing two pastors And she said to the pastors, and he was watching, what do you think about same-sex marriage? And the guy is sitting there, he's saying, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for them to drive the stake in. I'm waiting for them to drive the stake in. And the first guy guy just swallowed, well, same-sex marriage, okay. Yeah, I I think it's a gift from God. And the other pastor says, yes, it's very spiritual. It's a gift from God. Man, we cannot move the boundary lines. Yes, you know, that's just one issue. We can be loving. We can be accepting. We've got to love every human being where they're at. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But the Word of God is the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God. You can't take bits out and just say, look, we'll just put that bit over there for now because it's not you know, right or politically correct or whatever it is, the Word of God. They're trying to take the Word of God out of Parliament right now. They're trying to take prayer out. They're trying to take the Word of God out. Do you know what I mean? We've got to stake a claim, Christians, and we've got to say, you know what? This hole's not big enough either. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. 
I've got to aim it in the right spot. Jesus' name, no. <laughs> Give me a bloke up here. No, I don't need you. Yes. <laughs> don't move the ancient boundary lines. Don't find, even in your own life, do you know what I mean? Don't find yourself out here. Because the enemy will just, he'll just wipe you out. He'll just wipe you out. Last one. Where is it? This, this one is the one I weep over. This is, my, if you want to know, Pastor Julie, what's your burden right now for this generation? This one. This is the one that's being moved the most. Righteousness. Righteousness. You know, what is the kingdom of God? Come on, you Bible college students. What's the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God has come to earth. John the Baptist said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what? Righteousness, those boundaries are being moved. And do you know why? Because there's a wave of perverseness that's been released upon the earth that is sucking our young people in sucking people in, amen, but we need to take, these holes are too small, we need to take, come on, Ra, drive it in for me, Ra, drive it in, oh, come on, we need to drive a stake in of righteousness, oh, you know, Romans, oh, listen, You know, I'm watching an interview with Beyonce. I'm just over, I'm just, I'm just blown away. You know, where before things used to be like behind the scenes stuff, now it's just out there. And I'm watching an interview with her and she says, I used to be a shy person. Uh, you know, I can sing a bit, but I can't dance that well. And I haven't got the stamina for my shows. And my dad told me I need to get a bit of sex in my act so that I can become famous, and I'm thinking I'm not a really sexual person, but I need this, I need this stuff. And she heard on the grapevine that she could channel spirit, and that if she channeled this spirit, this spirit would give her everything she needed to be famous. And so she calls that spirit Sasha. And she's like, so she put a pentagram on the stage when she was performing, and she laid in the pentagram, and got other girls to get around the edge of the pentagram, wreathing and carrying on. And then she, you'll see it in a concert, she gets in the middle of the pentagram, she sits up like this, she puts her hands in the air like she's worshipping, and that's the point where she takes on the spirit. She said, the very first time it came into me, I felt it come in. And I felt my personality change, 
and I felt I had energy all night to dance all night, to sing all night. I felt I was sexy finally and that I could really get men looking at me and I felt like I had every eye in that place worshipping me and that's what I wanted and that's what she wanted and she said, when she's inside of me, I can tell the people to worship me and they do. Yeah. This is true. She's openly talking about it. I don't know what I'd do without her. But I don't let her out when I'm not on stage because she's a really horrible person. She's awful. She's ugly. She's cruel. And I'm not going to let her out when I'm not on stage. But I only let her out on stage so she can't hurt anybody while I'm up there. And I looked at this video and I saw this woman, Beyonce, go down into this pentagram, I saw her sit up and I saw her face change and I saw her stand up and she says to the crowd, come on, reach your hands towards me and give me your energy, in a really low voice like that. And the whole crowd goes, oh, and there's probably a million Christians in the crowd, by the way, oh, we love you, we worship you, Beyonce, we worship you, demonic spirit from hell, Jezebel, trying to take our inheritance. I had to say it. I just had to say it. It's out there. <laughs> Beyonce, I love you. I pray for your salvation. But I'm not going to agree with stuff like that because I ain't moving the boundary lines of righteousness. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. Turn it around, Katrina. That's it. See how the devil turned that around? Come on. I mean, Katy Perry, pastor's kid. You know, she's a pastor's kid, and she said her dream was to be like Amy Grant. I watched four different interviews where she said exactly the same thing. My dream was to be like Amy Grant, but when I realized that that wasn't going to happen, I wanted to be famous, I sold my soul to the devil. I just did it. I knew that that's where I'd get the power to get what I needed to get. You know, where are the ones that have sold their souls to Jesus Christ? Where are the ones that are receiving and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Where are the ones that are standing up and singing songs of righteousness? Where are the ones that are saying, I'm not going to go watch that stuff. I'm not going to put that stuff in my ears. I'm not going to go to those concerts because I'm drawing a line in the sand of righteousness. Amen? Yeah. You know, the Bible says here, this is serious, isn't it? You like me? Still? Still like me? I can be loving and soft, you know that. But I'd like the Holy Spirit to be what he wants to be tonight. Amen. He's got something to say. Romans 6.1 says that, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? By no means we have died to sin. You know, grace, I love grace. I love the grace of Jesus Christ. I love the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I love that. But whoever said that we can just keep sinning and just keep saying sorry, keep sinning, keep saying sorry, with no repentance, no tears, no remorse, we just do whatever we want and say, oh, he'll forgive me tomorrow. I might as well just go have sex with that person. Tomorrow morning, he'll forgive me anyway. And there's just, this is wrong, people. 
This is wrong. This is wrong. This is not grace. This is a boundary line being moved so the devil can get you and he can kill and destroy you. This is so he can take your calling and he can wring it out. This is so he can take the gift of God, your inheritance, and crush it into the ground. This is the blood of Jesus being taken for granted, being treated blasphemously. The blood of Jesus saves. The blood of Jesus forgives. But there is repentance and a true heart. And it says in Jude 1.4, they have secretly slipped amongst you godless men who changed the grace of God for a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. You know, when you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. That means everything has to bow its knee. Everything has to bow its knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Don't sell out. Don't quit. Don't sell out. Don't move the boundary like stake a claim around your life. Look at me. I'm in the middle of this right now. I have the word of God. I have righteousness. I have salvation. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm in the middle. I'm living right where Jesus paid the price for my life. I'm living under the blood of Jesus and the devil can by no means harm me because I'm not moving the boundary lines. Amen? Hallelujah. And King Ahab, you know King Ahab, he's, he's a wuss. He's just a wuss. And you might get some wussy spirit come to you and go, oh, come on, a little compromise is going to hurt you. Come on. And King Ahab was a wicked king. He was a wicked king. Everybody say, wicked. wicked. And he said to Naboth, he says, give me your vineyard. The spirit of age, the spirit of this age is coming to the church, coming to your life, coming to your vineyard and saying, give me your vineyard, give me your inheritance. We're coming into days when God's going to do things like we have never seen. You don't want to be on the outside looking in when a billion souls come to Jesus Christ and you know you are called to be an evangelist to bring them in. You don't want to be on the outside when God starts to heal bodies and sick diseases and, and you know that you are supposed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You don't want to be on the outside when God starts to come and, and people will start repenting at the altar of God and throwing themselves at the mercy of God. You don't want to be on the outside of that when you see that happening because you're not living in righteousness. You don't want to be on the outside when God claims this world by the word of God, by the spoken and living word of God, by the incarnation word of God, Jesus Christ, you don't want to be living on the outside of that. You want to be in it. You want to be in the middle of the grace, in the middle of your inheritance. You need to live in it, in Jesus' name. Amen? We need the spirit of Naboth to arise. Ha! The spirit of Naboth, he looked at that king. He looked at that king right in the eye, and he said to him, there is no way I'm selling out. There is no way I'm selling out. And we need to have people in this day and age, young people, old people, that'll stand up, worship team come, and say, there's no way I'm selling out. Hallelujah. 
Tonight, God wants to drive stakes into our hearts. He wants to drive stakes into the hearts of every person here. Hallelujah. Psalm 16.6 says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Do you know what in here? This is unlimited. In here, this is what you can do, what you can achieve in your life. But apart from that, it's a pleasant place to live. It's pretty pleasant to live in the boundaries that God has placed because things will go well for you. Your life will go well. God's favor and blessing will be on your life. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.